week's episode of What Are The Odds is proudly brought to you by our sponsor, the Yorkshire Hotel. This stage of the season means one thing and one thing only, football is finally ending for everyone. Doesn't matter if you win, if you lose, if you made finals, if you didn't. If you've been out all week celebrating amateur under-19 premierships or if you've just been renuminating on what was Carlton's worst season since 1901. Every football season needs a wake, a little time of remembrance, a quiet embrace, a little sip on a pot, and the best place to do that is Yorkshire Hotel, corner of Langridge and Punt Road in Abbotsford. And uh, we'll be there. We're having a grand final breakfast. If you haven't got tickets to uh, the fancy official AFL one, come down to the fancy official Sporting Chance one. It's uh, kicking off at around about 10am, I think, but all the deets are on our socials, on our website, and there'll be an email blast as well. All right, before we get on to a recap, and of course, our very, very successful finals bets, which as is living up to expectation, the great man himself told you that finals are what he lives for. Last week, tick on our bets. Last week, tick on the under-19 VAFA Section 3 Grand Final. The man has been head-wobbling so much, it's almost fallen off your shoulders. Baz, welcome to the pod. Hey, mate. Don't know about head-wobbling. Might have been a little bit tonight at cricket training. Just a little bit tonight. Actually, to be fair, you didn't even mention it. Yeah. We uh, sent some scouts down and we got the information live. Quite, quite an impressive post-match speech, shall I say. You did all the right things. You did all the basics well, all the thank yous, and then you did just a nice little... Thinking about the boys, made sure everyone on the list got a bit of a mention as well. It's not just the 18 or the 24 that played, but everyone gets a shout-out. I reckon you've, you've done quite well there. You have a future in being a successful coach. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Thanks. Uh, yeah, look, I'm not very good at public speaking. It's probably one of my uh, worst things I'm, I'm at, and I've got to get up and speak at a BNF this year as well, which is going to be a nightmare. But, yeah, just keep the message simple and... Yeah, but it's, it's a group effort. Those boys all contributed, and, you know, if they didn't play throughout the year, we wouldn't have won 12 straight, finished top, and, you know, they weren't lucky enough to take the field due to injury or selection. At the end of the day, they were part of it. The jo- job was done by the 24th at the field, and, uh, yeah, it was good effort, and well done to the boys. They Yeah, they played some pretty, pretty good footy for most of the game, so it was good. Good. So my only burning question is that this season, apparently, you wore two hoodies to every single football Session, game, or training no, during the streak. During the streak, yeah, I yeah. changed it. Yeah, yeah. So now, do you have a new thing to hold on to until that streak is broken? Yeah. So I shaved my head on on a, on a Wednesday uh, and wore a beanie and one jumper uh, <laughs> to the game. So on Saturday, on Saturday, you, you, the weather was pretty nice. Yeah, it was very nice. I was sweating absolute bullets with the beanie and jumper on. It wasn't until the game was over I took the beanie off. But yeah, I wore the beanie the whole game. People were sitting there going, it's a nice day, it's pretty warm. Why is Baz wearing a beanie? Yeah. Because, you, you know me, I'm pretty superstitious and that was it. And yeah. And a few of the boys that did come down and watch, you know, for, you know, mates of ours and stuff, that big thank you to them for coming down and supporting me. Uh, yeah, they couldn't get it quite, uh, two of my mates couldn't quite get over the fact that I was wearing a beanie. But when I told them, they uh, realised why and said, you're an idiot. So. And, and, and you are, but credit to you. <laughs> You're a, you're a premiership idiot, yes, and that's am, yeah. all that matters. Everyone's favourite game is, of course, Bad Beat or Massive Collect. Only four games, so we can get a little bit in-depth here. We'll kick off with the Thursday night game, Hawthorne and Richmond. And uh, it ended up being a pretty comfortable Richmond win 
what everyone expected, what we expected, four out of five tips right, a bit of a head wobble for us there, got our weekend off on a very profitable front. But uh, was that Richmond being good, a massive collect, or Hawthorne being what we expected and what Alistair Clarkson expected, a little bit subpar and a bad beat? We spoke about last week, they're subpar. And their bottom six to eight all got found out. You know, Morrison and a few others, you know, fumbled when, it, when they needed to be clean with the footy. Even Gunson and, you know, Bruce and Bergwijn missed some easy shots. So, yeah, I think it's got found wanting a bit the pressure from Richmond, the intensity from Richmond was just awesome. We've been expecting that, you know, the last few weeks when they've taken their foot off the pedal a bit and put it on again on Thursday night and got the job done. And yeah, they should have won by a lot more as well. Uh, and you know, we had a pretty good collect on the on the win. I think with the coaching thing of uh, of Alistair Clarkson, probably got negated a bit when the when the weather came. It was a bit wet. Would should he have gone with the two rucks? No, but I don't think he's got much else in his. Arsenal. Yeah, to bring up. I'm like, you know, we'll even talk about the game a bit later, who, who might come in. It's He hasn't got a lot to choose from, so I'm expecting uh, they might be out in straight sets, but you know, it's still a great year for them, and Clark has done a great job. But, yeah, they're a bit off Richmond and Melbourne, I think. So do you agree with his statement he said in the, in the post-match presser that Richmond's system is uncoachable he didn't quite say unbeatable but he said like everyone thought I was going to come in here and change the game and spin the dimes and whatever Cause is that, does that mean that Richmond's system is just too good and essentially you're going to have to wait for Richmond to fall away before you can beat them I think there's means and means of beating them it's been proven this year JRS and West Coast proved there's a way to beat them but they don't have, have the cattle Hawthorne to do that game style and even if the weather was fine and had the cattle like, it's still a big ask because Richmond brought the pressure. And I'll go back to, you know, I know it's under 19, section 3, but like, the team we played on on Saturday were better than our skill was. But we didn't allow them to use their skills because the pressure and intensity we had, especially for two and a half, three quarters. You know, and when we dropped off, they were able to walk it out for long periods of our back, of our back line. But it was the you know, pressure down the field that, you know, allowed them to turn it over and stuff. It's the same Richmond. They were in that intensity. Melbourne as well, uh, yeah, everyone talks about how crap the standard game was. It's because Melbourne just brought this intensity and this ferociousness where they just... Everything Geelong did, they panicked. And Hawthorne were the same. Even though in, this, in 10 metres clear of space, they just got the ball and auto- automatically expected that someone was around and perceived pressure. And, mm. it, and it plays a big part. And people, I think, underestimate what pressure can bring to the teams, especially in finals football when it goes up a notch. Pressure is massive, has a massive influence on the game. And, you know, if you've got 10 or 15 blokes who are inexperienced and can't handle it, then your team's going to drop off. If you've got, you know, 20, 24 blokes who can handle it, experienced at it, know what they're going to do and go out there and play their role, do what they've got to do, then your team will inevitably look after itself and be fine. Yes, it's game plan and driven as well, but, you know, there's that, like I said, that intensity, that pressure. And, I mean, again, I was sitting there watching it with the boys and a couple of them turned around and said, how's this pressure and intensity? And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's phenomenal, isn't it? It's, it's great to watch. That was, again, Melbourne was awesome. The Connell game is probably the best game of the weekend, Connell West Coast. And even JWS, they just smashed Sydney. So mm. that pressure, that intensity, I've said it about 15 times now, but it's, it's a massive thing in finals. And so on that, that segues into Richmond's long-term chances in their campaign are going back-to-back. Is it now... Legitimately theirs to lose, given they've backed this up multiple times. They've yeah. shown that they can just bring that intensity, flick the switch, and go. All right, boys, let's just let's just maul them. 
Yeah, and they've got blokes that just play their role and just know what to do. So, they've got no... I mean, they've got some stars, obviously, but like Jack Rowe, I think he got. But just gets the job done, brings the ball to ground, does, does the, you know, the disciplined things, plays his role, and again, plays his role, and work rate, intensity, effort, the rest will take care of itself. And, you know, Richmond have got a pretty basic game plan. They just try and pressure you and push the ball forward, and they set up really well behind the footy. So, if it does come out of their forward line... The pressure's got to be that fanatic that they're rush kicking it, so it's long down the line where Richmond is set up, and it's a basic game plan really when you look at it. Hmm. It's just it's all based on pressure and that ferocity, and yeah, Hawthorne couldn't handle it, and most teams can't because they do it so well. Another team that stepped up there, ferocity and intent and pressure and all those great funnel cliches, which always have a place on Melbourne. And Geelong didn't bring it. The Friday night game was a bona fide stinker. But was that a massive win for Melbourne, their first in 12 years at finals, or a terrible beat for Geelong? Terrible beat for Geelong. Well, again, like we tipped this, and Geelong were pretty lucky to make the eight, really. I think Geelong really need to look where they're at. They need a Ruckman for starters, and you know, Abbott might be that, that player, but he still has a bit more time to develop. They played their best footy this year, and they had the likes of uh, was it Jones and uh, Narkel and, you know... Um, Cockatoo's obviously been injured, but those sorts of players, those those ferocious attacking sort of like forward pressure players. Mm-hmm. So they missed them a bit and they didn't play. But the thing that I I just don't get the footy media sometimes because they, they hammered Ablett and Dangerfield mm. and Selwood for their kicking. Now if you went through their disposal efficiency for the whole year, funnily enough, they're not even in their, their top ten. They're actually not even in their top fifteen. In fact, you got to go all the way down. So, Joel Sell is the 21st on their list at 71%. And if you if you're on the website and you got to go, you actually got to go to page two to find Dangerfield and Ablett. So, Ablett's just on 70, and Dangerfield's at 67% hmm. kicking efficiency. So for the you know, I think they all all three of them are going around 50 odd or 40 to 50, 55 on on. Friday, uh, night. Friday night. It was because of, again that you know the pressure and their fault. They lost all forward structure. And Melbourne were just too quick for him as well. So, yeah, like, I don't think you can blame three players for the way that Geelong played. It's pretty harsh on those three greats, especially Ablett. And you hear about him carrying injuries through that game and saying it was their fault because they kicked so poorly. Well, how about you talk about Melbourne and how they turned up and played a great game and other things that were affecting Geelong, like, you know, they can't have three boats continuing to carry him. Mm. And Kelly probably had his first bad game for the year. You know, it's his first final, so, you know, he's allowed to have that. But yeah, they played a kid that's played three games in a ruck against Max Gorn. And I don't think Gorn was actually that good on the night. He had a good first quarter and was in and out of the game, but Wiedemann was the best. And, you know, they've got some very good defenders, Geelong. But Wiedemann stood up, and I've said on here before, I think he's got Hogan covered, and Hogan, they should get rid of Hogan to Freire because I'll get a very good pick for him, probably pick up one of the King boys. So yeah, I just think... Geelong need a bit of a rebuild if they're going to continue to fight in the eight they need to probably make sure they definitely go to the draft this year obviously at Dalhousie and they might be attracting a few other players they need to make sure they keep their their top end picks this year though on that mostly every trade rumour this year has been suffixed with the sentence and Geelong is very interested if you're Geelong are you going into the trade pool do you go hunt a Dalhouse do you go hunt a Parker who's been whispered about or do you just go, it's time to blow it up? Like, we've finished in the top eight all these years. If we try and top it up, we end up like Sydney, 
who again are going to be with us on the cusp, or do we do we miss next year? Do we do we predict to miss next year so that we can bounce back in two years' time? Well, I think they've still got some very good players. Like you look at uh, obviously Nark, what's my mate, uh, Big Sav, Kai Cockatoo can get going. Yeah, they've got some good players. Jermaine Jones, I, I, I think he's pretty. Yeah, he can play a role. Uh, I reckon Stanley and Smith are probably on the way out. So whether they can get something back for them. Uh, if they go after Jack Steven, then it's going to cost them a bit more. They, they're probably going to have to give up a first-round pick for that. But, yeah, I, I'll be very careful with what you bring in. and what you, I, I, I still think they can get rid of some players, like I just mentioned. But I'll be very careful trying to trade in for, say, a Jack Steven because it's a very here-now sort of hmm. top-up. And it's the model that both Port Adelaide and Essendon tried last off-season for, for this result of we did all right in the finals, we need to go further. That's yeah. what Port was last year. Port, tragic, well, not tragic, but the close loss against West Coast in the elimination final. Yeah. They go, oh, yeah, we'll add in Watts, we'll add in everyone else, and then they missed it this year. Yeah. So now you've cost yourself, that's a year's worth of younger players you could have played in your list, and now you're where you were last year, really, on the cusp. And they've signed you know, pretty big deals for those players. So, so if I was Geelong, I'd be just taking, I'll, I'll take Dayhouse because he's a good player and hopefully he'll sort out his issues that he needs to sort out. And then... So if I was them, I'd be definitely just first two picks, go get the best player, try and you know bring in some more youth, play your Narkle, your Jones, your big Sav, you know, maybe get rid of Menzel. Just, yeah, just re- try and replenish it with a bit more youth. A bit like Sydney need to do. Quickly on Melbourne, I'm obviously going to do the preview on them for their Hawthorne game, but were they actually that good? Are we still convinced that Melbourne yet? Are we, are we asking the bus conductor for two more tickets on the bandwagon, please? Or was it really they had a good first quarter and then the game was dead? They didn't. They didn't score many points after quarter time. They should have scored a lot more. They should have scored a lot more, and they did. But we've seen them do that a lot this year as well, where they've had a lot of inside fifties and they haven't scored. And there's been games they've actually blown teams out of the water. It's funny enough that the three games you look at the stats against Geelong, they've dominated them all. Hmm. They only won one of them. That was on the weekend. I'm pretty confident they're going to give Hawthorne a good touch up this week again. Whether they're grand final, whether they'll beat West Coast, I'm very not not solid at that yet. I think they'll get done by West Coast, and I think they'll probably get might, they might even get touched up against West Coast. But yeah, I'm not sold on them yet, and I'm yeah. still not sold on them even for next year. Like especially even though Jake Lee, when that comes back, I'd be still a bit wary towards the Melbourne bandwagon. And you know, I was on them last year. You were. I, I jumped off, and I've I'm still off them. Yeah, but I still think. But you're tailgating them now. You're watching closely. Yeah, I'm, and I'm, yeah. I'm four or five cars back. Yeah. Probably not this year. and Maybe 2019 I might jump back on. But yeah, they'll, they'll give Hawthorne a touch-up. They're, they're a good team. They've got lots of good players. Yeah. They, obviously, they bottomed out like 25 times before they got it right. And yeah, they've, got, they've probably got one of the best ruck, but they've got some good young forwards, small forwards, and they've got their back lines a bit, you know, can still leak goals. That's a problem. But their midfield's amazing, and they've got a good tap ruckman. Speaking of teams that are getting touch-ups, Sydney were embarrassed and embarrassing on the weekend. The Giants proved what well, they are, the Smokies. For Sydney, is it a case of this is where Hawthorne was at when Buddy left to go to Sydney? Is this a case of but nobody, no swans, and what can they do about it? Well, there's a lot of things, and I think they've already started. Hannery's out, Rowan's out, there's now Whispers of Parker. I mean, Parker would be a massive out. Yeah, well, we we spoke about it all year. What's wrong with Sydney? And they just haven't changed, and they need to change their game style. It's a bit like Geelong. Geelong need to sort out how they're going to play footy as well. And Sydney need to change up. They, they 
less meters, one of the least amount of meters gain teams. They get, don't win contested footy anymore. Uh, they don't win a lot of clearances anymore. You know, GWS smash them in all those three departments. Mm. We spoke about Williams last week coming in and allowing Whitfield off the chain. Well, they both got off the chain. Davis played an awesome game. And all the all the players that needed to stand up for GWS, like the injured players we spoke about, stood up. Even Green, you know, we said he has first up blues, but he played awesome game. And I was just too good for him. And, yeah, Sydney need to go back and... Obviously, they are. They're, they're looking very quickly to get back into the draft. And they probably will get a few top-end picks for those sorts of players we're talking about. So, who knows where they might be next year or the year after. But GWS are pretty good. And Yeah, the so Giants bring the blue-collar ethic like they did on the weekend. That was the most impressive part. Obviously, they have a plethora of amazing players. Their midfield stacked. Their forward line is probably still too reliant on minds for smalls because old uh, Jeremy Cheers. Tex, Cameron, didn't show up yet again. But uh, that back line's intense as well. Is this the year they do it? Can they do it? Can they do it, doggies, and come from outside the top no, four? I don't think they can this year. Like, Jeremy Carey had five shots on goal, so he's, he's had an effect on the game. Yeah. But it's not the effect you want a Jeremy Carey. You should be having a, a bigger... Him and Toby Green should be take, carrying that four long and then have like Himmelbergs and your sort of blokes like that down at the feet. Yeah, look, they're blue collar. They've been doing it ever since they've got that win streak when they were, everyone counted them out of the finals. They obviously you know went back and went, all right, we need to be this type of side. They've done it, but I think they're still too far behind. Like, I'm, it's going to be a bloody tough game on Saturday, but I don't think whoever it is won't get past Richmond. Yeah, especially in the case of, although it was a massive blowout, you could tell both teams walked off in that, in that uh, battle of the bridge fairly banged up. And that was the same thing with the uh, Collingwood West Coast game, which we'll transition to now. Really, for, for West Coast, that was pretty impressive. And it kind of debunked the Alex de Clarkson myth that coaches don't win games. Because I think Simpson kind of won the coaching battle in the second half. Especially that last quarter. And Elliot Yeo came out and said that Mitchell has not given him a spray or anything all year. And he came out three quarters of the time and gave him a bake. And you know, I spoke about it last week. Where if our midfield got on top, we'd be we'd be pretty handy. And you know, they they got off to a quick spark, and we we got into the game. Our midfield was on top, and in the last quarter, our midfield got smashed. Contested possession were down. All those things were down. And that's you know, you can't allow you can't allow good football to go into the, that four line, especially with our back line as depleted as it is, and not get scored against. That's what happened. You know. Teams will look up matchups and do all those things, but at the end of the day, if your midfield's winning the footy, geez, it makes makes it hard. It makes it or, or easy. Makes it on who's getting yeah, the footy. Yeah. yeah, it makes it a lot easier for your defenders to defend, and mm. it makes it a lot easier for your forwards to score. But if you're not winning the footy, it's flip side. So you know, you, like Geelong, you'll lose forward structure. All these things start to happen. So you got to you got to start winning the footy at the contest first, and that's where that's why Grundy's so important. And Again, maybe got a bit touched up by Vardy and Lysett. Vardy is a very good player, and if Lysett leaves, Vardy is a very. If he can stay fit, he's a bloody good footballer. He had a lot of talent, top end pick, just struggled with his body, but he's a good player. And for the uh, Pies, did they prove that they are actually the third best team in the comp at the moment? Yeah, I think we did, and I think the game was a bloody good game. Mm, absolutely. I, yeah, I thought we played pretty well. I was pretty disappointed about last quarter, but and probably our first five ten minutes, but. I think we we're pretty good, and I, that footy would have probably beaten Sydney, GWS, would have gone close with Melbourne, uh, definitely would have beaten Geelong, probably would have beaten Hawthorne. So I, I'm pretty confident that going this week, if we bring that footy, and we should hopefully beat GWS. 
every week we've got to ask the question, even if you might not have it, do you have any of your famous barreled spice for us this week, mate? This might be a bit different for me because, I mean, you know me pretty well and I watch women's sports. I do, and you know, um, some of them I like more than others, like hockey and netball I'm more for. Uh, AFLW, I won't watch it. I might keep up to date with scores and stuff, but not one to watch it. But I am you know, a fan of women's sport. And for the AFL to change the fixturing and, and set up the, the, the competition as they have for next season is an absolute joke. And if they want to be taken serious on this, they need to <laughs> take it seriously. You know, like splitting into two divisions, playing you know, seven or nine games or something. And then, yeah, it's just a whole system. It takes you 24 hours to realise how it works. Mm. And they're short in the season because they've got two more teams, you know, whatever it is. And they're saying it's not, you know, it's not viable for the market to have a longer season. Well, I'll tell you right now, if you're wanting it to be more viable to, you know, TV and all those sorts of things, so people watch it and you get more money in through sponsorships, the way you've done it now, you just probably killed it off, so... It's like they've never watched any other sport before, because Super Rugby did this, and they were like, oh, it's too hard to travel, and, and they, had, they had a legitimate logistical problem in Super Rugby, because you had teams, you had teams in South, South Africa... You had teams in New Zealand, you had teams in Australia. And so that's where they invented the conference pool and tried to cut down, you know, incessant travel. We're all in the same country. It's not that hard to just organise a flight once a week to go over to play in Perth yeah. or to, to play in Melbourne each other. You don't need conferences. Just give them a proper competition and see how it runs. And you make squillions of dollars anyway, AFL. So just put it under your marketing budget. Just All that money you would have spent on AFLX with your silver balls that didn't work and no one could see it playing on rectangle fields but in, in oval shape body stadiums it was an absolute waste of time take that money put it in the AFLW and just give it a crack for five years yeah. and then if it doesn't work you can say look we gave it a proper crack it didn't work we're sorry we can't do it and then the girls will just pick it up and do it themselves like women's tennis did in the bloody 60s yeah. or, ridiculous or just yeah, like, yeah it, it's, it's just baff- do it properly it baffles me that they'll give up pretty much so quickly on AFLW yet they'll keep propping up a team like uh, Gold Coast for yeah. another 10 years. Or we'll go to China and play yeah, against China. Yeah, China. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just silly. Yeah, they deserve better. Here we go. Week two's final preview. Friday night it kicks off. Hawthorne. Very weird odds before I go into the actual matchups. Very weird odds this week. Hawthorne finished in the top four. They are $2.75 outsiders against Melbourne. Yep. Melbourne paying a dollar forty-six. That's probably coming rapidly in. Everyone's wearing their blazers. Everyone's wearing their corduroys, and they're all going to the TAB asking for a couple of uh, ten-buck bets on Melbourne. The line here is thirteen points over under one sixty-four. These fans are quickly drying off their blazers, wiping down those cheese boards, and queuing up at the MCC for the best possible seats on the balcony. Last time they met, though, Hawthorne gave them a proper touch-up. The Ds were still unable to beat a top-eight side, and they lost that one 115-48. But after their first finals win in 12 years, Melbourne are almost premiership favourites and definitely every mainstream media outlet's favourite him to talk about. But, Baz, are you turning your back on Clarko and the Hawks? Yeah. He's turning his back. I can't see... Simple thing again. Look at the two teams. Yep. Like we did last week, no bias. The yep. bias, the hate goggles are off. You look at bo- both teams and Melbourne have, simply have the better team. Yeah. Like they're talking about uh, Duray and Showmakers coming for Hawthorne. 
It doesn't matter who Hawthorne bring back now. They could bring back Cyril. It still won't make a difference on the game. Oh, Cyril would make a difference. I don't think so, mate. <laughs> he's, been on, he's been on a long holiday in, in the Northern Territory. Yeah, Melbourne should. If they play the same footy and bring that same everything they did last week, intent, effort, all that stuff, they're going to yeah have a pretty convincing win again, I think. They'll cover a line. I reckon Hawthorne will struggle to score a bit. Uh, and I think, you know, we saw Melbourne scoring power, power. We saw Richmond scoring power against the Hawks. I think Melbourne have a more talented forward line. Hmm. Their midfield's more probably on par with uh, Richmond, but they've got a dominant Ruckman. And that's going to go a long way to... I don't see Segler matching with uh, with Gorney, and I don't reckon Segler will play. And McAvoy? McAvoy's a very good Ruckman, but I don't think you can match Gorney's tough work. And even then, like, I don't think... Hawthorne's midfield's going to get unless like Mitchell and O'Meara have to pretty much carry him hmm. and I think Harms will go to Mitchell now will he go to Mitchell or will he go to Smith no he go to Mitchell because he, like he did with Selwood he'll hurt him the other way Harms hurt Selwood the other way hmm. he made Selwood had a stinker he gave away four free kicks but Harms was, was in the football doing all the hard grunt stuff and yeah I think he was very good Harms and what a story that is and we keep hearing about it on Channel 7 how you know Great story, Mc- you know, McCartney turning around. Old BT loves his stories. Uh, yeah, I just think that Melbourne are way, way too good. And contested ball, the key indicators for foreign football it go through the roof for Melbourne, and they pretty in last. And they, they laid over 20 tackles inside Ford 50. The Hawthorne struggled against that sort of stuff against Richmond, so they'll struggle again against Melbourne. And yeah, I reckon Melbourne easily covered a line of 13 and a half. They win. They probably win by 40 plus. I have a feeling this could be another blowout. But yeah, I reckon you know, 61 to 75 points for Hawthorne too because they're going to struggle to score. Okay. So my only little quirk is that I found from last week's game was that Melbourne didn't only scored one goal for the second and third quarter combined last week. Yeah, they kicked a shitload of points. Yeah. They missed a lot of opportunities. So <laughs> my six bucks for 40 plus was on if they could kick half those shots. But they haven't ever done that consistently this season. No. So are we going to trust Melbourne against Hawthorne? Like, is, is the whole bogey angle off now? Are these are these Ds now suddenly, you know, rock-solid Ds, no demons in their minds? We can just trust them to be, you are talented footballers coached by a pretty organised system. You'll go out there and you'll play it. You won't think about it's an elimination situation. You won't think about you're playing against Alistair Clarkson and other premiership players. Can we trust them to do that? I think we Cause, can. Because our old Melbourne trigger would be going off. They'd be on front. They'd be on back don't page. Worry, don't worry. They'd be I'm on front a, page. They'd be on Instagram. Little... Gorney's doing. Gorney's every second ad on Foxtel. I've still got the little little uh, devil on my shoulder saying, "You're kidding, aren't you? Yeah. Tipping Melbourne again to smash them. You're kidding. You did this in round two or three, wasn't it? Mm. And Melbourne <laughs> flogged them. But different teams now. I yeah. think yeah, they're prepared for this Melbourne. Oh, seriously, they will. They'll beat Hawthorne this week, and they'll probably give them a touch-up, but they won't beat West Coast next week. All right. So, angles-wise, where are we going to put our cash? So, I said line, uh, third and a half Melbourne win. That's probably my best bet of the weekend. The Hawks, 61-74, total match points. I'm going to go Malkstrom, most goals, and and first goal again. Yeah. But uh, I wouldn't mind a bit of a uh, little bit of Charlie Spargo as well. Had a few shots on goal last week, sprayed him a bit. His money gets under because you've got milkshakes and you know, Wiedemann, McDonald, uh, Hannan, Bill, Bull, and Harms, all those boys you know, get around. Spargo generally flies under the radar and he gets on the end of it a bit. So, 
Could be a little sneaky there for a couple of goals. There you go. Bit of bit of value there. Uh, I was doubling the idea of taking Melbourne at 40-plus for $4.33. And it might be a, a value bet that features towards the end of the pod. It's been- Collingwood are hosting the Giants at the MCG. Back-to-back games at the home of footy. What a weekend. Absolutely great stuff. Collingwood, despite the close loss to the Eagles, are $1.60 favourites. GWS, $2.35 outsiders. The line here is a very slender 9.5. And, and the over-under, a very low 154. I was going to give it a ray, I think, around Saturday. Yeah. And I reckon it'll be a pretty... Last time I played it, it was... A... It was a bloody good game. I was pretty happy with how he played. I know mean, it was round two. He's Coxie, then a bounce back after his poor game. So he had a really poor game against Hawthorne round one. Cop, copped it pretty much the same as what he's copped this week. Probably a bit harsher in round one. But he, he bounced back really well and, and improved every week. Hopefully he you know bounces back. I think he's got the sort of mindset, the mentality, and he, he does look to improve himself and everything a lot. So I reckon he, has, he can bounce back a bit. My checks may walk around in moon, but there's talk of Reed and Darcy Moore, you know, full training, ready to go. I don't know whether Colin would risk him this week. I reckon we, if, if they're going to play, I reckon they play next week. Uh, I reckon we'll go in unchanged. Maybe Callum Brown comes in because he's been playing, he was playing some good footy. Griffin might come back in for Joe US. Um, not sure about anyone else for Joe US off the great bomb. I've heard about Griffin. It's going to be a bloody good game. Well, yeah, two very good midfields. Obviously, Kelly's out, which helps us a lot. Two good midfields. Surely, Grundy has it over Lobb in the ruck. I remember, you think so? I, I remember back when we played in round two, Grundy had a field day against Lobb, and I think it happened again. Uh, our, our, actually, our, our backs actually man up all right on on uh, the smalls of GWS because they've got a lot of bigs. Mm. That's a very interesting part of this match is I think you have, your strengths and weaknesses are exactly the same. Two very good, very organised, very skillful midfields. Two very dour, tight defences. Unfortunately for you guys, you've probably got too many injuries still at the moment. And then two forward lines that are kind of bit players, but your midfielders go forward and supplement the goals. Yeah. So it's, it's going to just be like two rounds butting the whole game because there is no mismatch. It's just evens, evens, evens the whole way across. I look so. forward to... I reckon Greenwood, Levi's going to have a go, go at a, probably uh, Whitfield. Yeah. Or even Williams, but I reckon he's going to go to Whitfield. I look forward to that because I don't know how uh, Whitfield's in a copper tag like that. I reckon he's never co- probably never caught one like that before, like where Niggy, Naggy sort of Greenwood. And he, I reckon he, to- he seems like the type of bloke, uh, Whitfield, that could just snap snap a bit. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. But uh, look, I think, I think we've got to get to go almost in the midfield a bit more as well as forward. Like we've got enough forward talent down there. Get him. He's a very explosive player, big body. I think he could be the bit of an X factor, obviously in the midfield, not not just forward. Uh, I reckon we win. I reckon we win. And I reckon one to thirty nine is pretty good odds. Two dollars ten. Uh, I'm backing my man, uh, Big Coxie, to have a big game and you know just shut up the doubters a bit. And if he doesn't, then I reckon Josh Thomas kicked most goals. But I'm pretty confident. I mean, I was confident last week, and I was right for three and a bit quarters, but maybe the injuries. Fell away, inclusions, you know, three begins. Uh, they fell away a bit, and Pandles said today he wasn't 100%. He probably, you know, was disappointed in his effort. So I'm looking forward to us, yeah, bouncing back this week, having a good win, and that's going to be a big prelim final, isn't it? Absolutely. Well, I think a question with the uh, Cox bouncing back is that Phil Davis is coming off probably the game of the season 
where he kept the big bud under wraps. Does Phil Davis go to Cox and keep him under wraps and nullify what... Cox plays the same role for Collingwood what Jack does for Richmond. Like, his aim there is to bring the ball to ground. Ball down, yeah. So, if, if Davis goes there and becomes the interceptor or just really makes him an unacceptable option going forward... What's your response there? Or is Cox just too big for Davis to handle? I think Cox to be like, a bit pretty unfair on him to, have to say. Like, you got double and triple team a fair bit from what I was seeing mm. anyway. Like, and we probably and in finals football, I think we went to him. Like, you, know, you got you got outmarked a few times, pushed under the ball, but I don't know. I just feel like Cox likes to play from behind. Obviously, he talks about that a lot. Um, I reckon if Cox leads up the footy a bit more and doesn't, he ran underneath it a few times, got pushed underneath the footy. I think Lloydie was right. Like he just needs to use the angles a bit better, and we just need to deliver it a bit better for him as well. And you know, Lloydie backed him in to change it up, but yeah, he's going to have a tough task. Don't get me wrong. Davis is a pretty good player, but I don't care who you are. When a bloke his size decides to leap and jump the ball and take a big contested mark, and hopefully his kicking shoes are on, he's going to be pretty hard to stop. So. It could be the difference in this game early if we get going. And if not, then, you know, maybe Meyer check or maybe we do play Darcy more and he comes in as a forward, which will add another, you know, dimension to our forward line. Or Ben Reid comes back in if he's right. So, yeah, it'll be an interesting little uh, selection and, you know, game, game styles again. But we do both play pretty similar footy, so probably they get, they handball release their kickers a bit more than what we do, but we hit like the handball through use that forward handball, move the ball through the traffic, then get releases. They like the feedback a bit, get it out to their Williams, their Whitfields, and their good ball users like that. So. Yeah. And just before we uh, leave this game, a little cheeky uh, side bet, a little prop bet. What do you reckon the over-under is on Toby Green fly kicks for this game? <laughs> uh, I reckon it'll be none. None? None, because I know he's been told off by the AFL this week. Just told to, you'll get paid a free kick against if you do it, and you could get reported. So... There'll be no fly kicks this week. Yeah, take that enough enough so you thought it wasn't a free kick. Listen to the chat bellowing around the MCG. Collingwood are the 2018 Premier. It's that time again. Time to make some money like we did last week. Our AFL Funnels Week 2 feature bets will be as followed. Our best, as we've mentioned before, Melbourne to cover the 13.5 line, paying $1.92. We just simply think that Mano are Mano, Melbourne are too good. Team V team, the hate goggles are off. We're almost on the bandwagon. We're tailgating behind that bus. Melbourne are going to absolutely stitch up Hawthorne. Hence, our first value bet to be Melbourne at 40 plus is paying $4.33. It could be another savage weekend on, on a Friday night for close finals games, if that's what you're after. Our value, second value bet, however, is Collingwood to win by 20 to 39. So Giants to keep it close, but the pies from over the top. That's paying $4.33 to set up an absolute hummer-dinger of a prelim funnel and probably the best podcast we've ever made. And uh, multis this week, well, uh, we've yet to get a footy multi. So we're doing what all great footy punters do. We're heading to the races. It's Maccabi Diva Stakes Day at Flemington. So here's your horse racing as follows. It's going to be Flemington Race 5, number one, Haydock to win. Roll that into Flemington Race 6. Number 13, petition to place. And one more time into race seven, number 11, Kilimanjaro to place as well. And that would be paying 17.85. And I reckon Baz knows his horse better than he knows his footy. So this one might actually <laughs> get up. 
until I just said that. <laughs> Obviously, no footy on a Sunday, so we'll be heading down to uh, Vaffa Park in Elstonwick to go and watch some best amateur football going around in this country, if not the whole world. So that's going to be Premier C, Premier B, and Premier A. Uh, Premier C, we're going for the roughy here, the upset, Old Geelong to take on Fitzroy. Old Geelong paying $2.40. We're going with St. Bernard's over Old Carey in the Bs, paying $1.65. And the big one, look out for basically an AFL side to win that match. Well, they're two AFL sides pretty much. But I think St. Kevin's showed last week they're, they're a bloody good side. They they smashed Trinity. And they are the favourites, paying $1.65. So uh, if you want to do that, gamble responsibly. If not, then just head on down and uh, pay your entrance at the door and come talk to uh, probably just me because Baz doesn't like to go out in public, but uh, we'll be there. <laughs> Good luck to all your teams, local ammos, and, of course, the AFL clubs if they're playing this week, and we shall see you next week, hopefully, for the mother of all time.